Hold me down, Lord, that I may uplift thee. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. What amazing words to hear. Not you could be, you might be if only you did X, Y, and Z, but you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. We are already these things. Well, at least Jesus is telling his disciples during the Sermon on the Mount that they are salt and light, so surely we as latter-day disciples are too. But what exactly does that mean? One of the earliest uses of salt as metaphor refers to the lost tribes of Israel, those who were taken into captivity by the Assyrians, scattered to the winds, never to return home. There's no way to know whether they retained their identities as followers of God, people of the covenant, no way to know just how far they were scattered, no way to know if they even thought of themselves as Israelites after generations of being in exile. Yet this scattered group forced into exile was believed to act like salt, preserving Torah, and the law because those things were so deep within them that they couldn't help but express them, couldn't help but enhance the culture as they lived out the deep teachings of love of God and neighbor, care for widow and orphan, welcoming the stranger. And this scattered salt of anonymous Jews was understood to make wherever they were better, making the surrounding culture kinder and gentler and more moral. And light? Well, Israel is reminded over and over again that their tiny nation is to be a light unto all nations. So when Jesus tells his disciples, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, well, he's reminding his disciples of who they truly are followers and lovers of God, those who express this no matter where they are, what government they live under, no matter how deep into foreign territory or exile they go. That's deep, deep identity work. Knowing that who we are, God's beloved, created by God and for love, is to enhance all that surrounds us, to preserve the good no matter how bad our surroundings get, to shine our light even in the darkest places. And it's good to be called back to our identities, to get very clear about who and whose we are. A little over a week ago, I attended the clergy council of Indican. We worked with them on the mass transit referendum and now with them on creating a sanctuary network in our city. After a news-heavy week, the rabbis, pastors, and organizers gathered that morning, heavy 
with the sense of all that needed to be done. I led the faith reflection that day, and as I myself was parched for good news, I asked each one of us to dig deep into our own traditions, to share a story of one of our forebearers who was faithful and joyful, even in the face of opposition and difficulty. After a big pause, the stories came tumbling out. I told the story of Archbishop Tutu preaching at St. George's Cathedral in Cape Town during apartheid and looking out at the soldiers ringing the church and saying impishly, joyfully from the pulpit, you might as well join us for we have already won, for God is on our side. And then the story of Rabbi Akiva so faithful that even as he was being tortured by the Romans because he refused to renounce his faith or to stop teaching Torah, he sang out the Shema, the great statement of faith for the Jews. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And his students, horrified, asked him, even now, even now, are you still thinking about your obligations to God? And he answered, all my life, I waited for the opportunity to show how much I love God, and now that I have the opportunity, should I waste it? And then the story of the Southern Baptist Clarence Jordan, founder of Koinonia Farms in Georgia, that promoted interracial equality and pacifism way back in the 40s and suffered endless attacks by the KKK and harassment by the local government under Jim Crow laws. I could go on, of course, but you get the idea. We called up all the salt and the light that we could that morning, remembering who we've been and reminding ourselves of who we are. By the end of that conversation, we knew that if our forebears could be faithful to God and who God called them to be, even in the face of a hostile culture, well then, so could we. But here's the thing, though we are salt and we are light, sometimes we forget. We forget to tell our stories or we think that our best days are over or that the gloom we're in at any given time is worse than any gloom we've ever been in before. Surely Israel felt that way in the time of the prophet Isaiah They've returned from another exile, this time in Babylon, all destroyed, their temple, their monarchy. How are they to be faithful to God and to who God has called them to be without those things? In this time of desolation, they feel worthless, unworthy, uncertain. They focus on themselves, on what they know, seeking to worship more and more perfectly so that God will answer their pleas. They cry out to God, why do we fast but you do not see? Why humble ourselves but you do not notice? And in Matthew's time, the second temple has just been destroyed. They live under Roman occupation. Again, the people are wondering how they are to remain faithful. How are we to be salt and light 
when all seems lost? How are we to be salt and like God when it feels like you're not listening, like you've abandoned us? How are we to be true to you, God, true to who you've called us to be when we are surrounded by a culture intent on opposing us at every turn? We're so small. We're just average people, just an average community. What difference do we make? For some in Isaiah's time, the decision was to focus on themselves, turning inward to perfect worship and personal piety so that they could win God's favor. In Matthew's time, some wanted to violently overthrow the Roman occupiers while others thought that they should withdraw with other believers to preserve the purity of their faith and law. But they forgot that they were salt meant not to preserve themselves, but to preserve their faith and their laws for the life of the world. They forgot they were light, meant not to betray their identity by resorting to violence or hiding their light by withdrawing into their own communities, but they were meant to be light, especially in dark times. They forgot, but God reminds them. We forget, but God reminds us. God, who loves his salty Israelites, asks, is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them, and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then, God says, then and only then, your light shall break forth like the dawn. Then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like noonday. And Jesus Jesus, who loves his shining followers, says, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. When we're in trouble, when we feel beleaguered, when we're living in a time or a culture opposed to what we know is true and honorable, just and commendable, which frankly, for we Christians, is every time and every culture, then our job is to live deeply into our identity as God followers, Christ bearers, salt and light, focus not on ourselves, but on transforming the world. We're not to withdraw from the world, not even if it persecutes us, but we are to flavor and season it, preserving what is good from our faith to share it with others. We are to enlighten the culture as we remove the yoke from among us, the speaking of evil, offering food to the hungry, satisfying the needs of the afflicted. For then we will be what we were made to be,
salt, light. And then we shall be like a watered garden, a spring of water whose waters never fail. Then we shall be called the repairer of the breach, restorer of streets to live in. And then, then we beloved salt and light, then we shall know God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.